It is rare when preaching to have a very specific moment in time which you are speaking into. That is to say that whenever you preach, you're seeking to speak into the present moment, something of the eternal. But on this occasion, which was the 1st of November in 2020, All Saints' Day, we had all just heard as a nation the day before that there was to be a second lockdown beginning on the 4th of November. Whatever sermon I had already been drafting changed. I had to respond to the news which we had received yesterday and to prepare people, people who were quite reasonably and justifiably afraid and unsure as to what was about to come. I had to prepare them for another lockdown. And we knew that this was only going to be for a few weeks. But we knew that about the first one. In truth, all that we knew was that we didn't know what was coming. This sermon was delivered at North Lopham. In this recording, you will hear me read each of the readings and the gospel before hearing the sermon which I preached in that very specific window of time. And I know that you listening to this are not in that specific moment of time. But I hope that the principles and ideas will be an encouragement to you nonetheless. You are listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Path with your preacher Samuel S. Thorpe. Our first reading today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 7. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all of the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving and honour, and power and might, Be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and worship him day and night within his temple. 
and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more, and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Our second reading comes from the first letter of John. See what love the Father has given us, but we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. For the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you please stand for our gospel reading? Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You might remember that last time I was here, I said that it had been far too long since I was last able to be with you. I think we said it was more than a year since I had been able to be here with you in North Lopham. But the following Sunday that you have a service, here I am again. So I hope that this is a blessing to you and not a, a, a adverse increase in my attendance. But for my part, it's lovely to be here to be with you all as we celebrate All Saints Day. 
Because I think that All Saints' Day is exactly the day that we need today. Because today is a day where it just seems like 2020 is being 2020. I think we all know what I mean by that. We've had the lockdowns from the coronavirus. We've been unable to have our funerals in the way that we've hoped. Many people weren't even able to get to funerals that they wanted to be at. Weddings have been cancelled or held in a very limited fashion. More recently, we've seen those dreadful attacks in France and the attacks on churches, including yesterday a priest in one of the French cities being shot because of his religion. Across the lands in the world, we see different elections causing strife. We have protests against restrictions. And in America, we have their elections, which are harmonious or not. And now we have this news of a new lockdown, which brings back all of the fears that we had from the first lockdown, perhaps because we know better now what we're getting ourselves into. The sense of isolation, the sense of anxiety, perhaps even of depression. I know that I have friends who are concerned for their jobs and how they will feed their families. And yet, a day like today gives us a chance to try and step back from that. Not that it's not important, but because it's important. We should remember that today is All Saints Day. And it gives us a sense of context, because we have to zoom right out to see the big picture. The human life with God is a human life which recognizes the fallenness and the brokenness of our world. But sin is a reality. And people do not always make the right decisions. Indeed, sometimes can't help themselves from making the wrong decisions. We have wildfires, diseases. We have an absence of food in certain places. We have droughts. We live in a world which is imperfect and crying out for healing. And for most people, that's where it ends. It's just the hand you've been dealt. We have to somehow make our way through. But for us, for Christians, we know that Christ came to embrace the world. But in the Incarnation, God himself stepped into our reality, into his creation, and took on our human life. And in his ministry, he didn't just say platitudes and words which sounded nice, but each thing he said he backed up with his actions. When he said, blessed are those who mourn, he says that as the one who comforted the parents whose daughter had died to whom he said, little girl, get up. When he says, blessed are those who are the peacemakers, he says that as the one who says, if you're going to the temple to sacrifice, you can't do that without making amends with those that you have wronged. When he says, blessed are those who pursue righteousness, he gives us an example of righteousness. 
an example of righteousness which was perhaps slightly subversive and counter to what the religious leaders expected. He asked them, is it wrong to do good on the Sabbath? And he cured the man of his blindness. So when we look at Jesus' life, we see him in the midst of a hurting world, touching that world with a healing presence. And we recognize that his life was not just about being a good example and a good teacher, not even just about being a miracle worker. But it all came to that climax on the cross, where for our sake he embraced our death, the death that we all should die. So that when we think about him, we can believe that in him and in his resurrection, just as he died for us, he lives for us. And just as we too shall die, we shall also live beyond the grave with him. And this gives us a powerful sense of hope. It gives us a sense that in this world where 2020 is 2020, that God has not forgotten us. He has not abandoned us. But if we have eyes to see, we can see him here with us. And so I would like to think about that part in Revelation where we had this vision of the throne of God. It's not a vision of God out there in the stars somewhere. It's not a vision of God separate from us. It's a vision of God on his throne, surrounded by us, by a great multitude of believers from every nation and language and race, men and women, old and young, everyone that believes in Christ, gathered around his throne. Now maybe we think that this is a vision for the future. It's not a reality for us now. Well, it will be us one day. But I would like to suggest that in the Eucharist, it is that reality for us now. I'd like to invite you to open your eyes to the presence of God with us, particularly on this day, in the hope that his presence will sustain us through the coming lockdown. And so I want to explain to you how I view the Eucharist, how it is that when I look at what we do here in church, I see God. It's not just an imagination, pretending things, but rather looking through things and with things. And it's an idea that comes from one of my favourite theologians called Tom Torrance, who you probably haven't heard of. But his idea he pinched almost wholesale from a physicist that I am sure you have heard of, one Albert Einstein. And he said that there's three layers to our knowledge. And these three layers apply to all kinds of knowledge, whether it's scientific, biology, chemistry, or whether it's theological. The first layer is our experience of reality before we even think about it. So when you see these flowers, you see the colour of them before you think, well, that one's white and that one's pink and that one's a darker red. The idea that this is white and red is the second layer. 
is the idea of knowledge about a thing. So I look at these flowers, and having seen them, I'm able to describe them as, well, that's white and that's red. But there's another layer, which takes us into how the flowers really are. It's how God created them. These flowers are not just something that we have seen, because if we were not in here, they would still be there. They're not just flowers that we can describe, but they actually have a substance to them. They actually are. When we apply this to God, what we're looking for is those moments of experiences, before we put any words on them, of the divine. And when we have those moments, we can try and describe them with words such as, it warmed my heart, or I felt like there was peace, or I saw a sense of God, or there was a smile, or whatever words we've used. And beyond those words, there's the reality of what God is actually doing, of God with us. And the last example I want to use is actually about the Eucharist. There's a reason we use very tangible things. It's because God is surprisingly tangible. When we bite the bread, we feel it on our teeth and on our tongue. That's a sensation which is just there. We have the knowledge of the words that I will say in the prayer. No, this is the body and blood of Jesus. We're remembering his death and his resurrection. So we have the experience and we have our understanding that we're remembering God. But then we have the reality of what God is actually doing, of what the Holy Spirit is doing with all of us when we taste that bread. And that is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we receive the bread into our mouth and on our tongue, we find ourselves in the presence of God, united with all the saints who have gone before us, with all the saints who are worshipping around the world, as if in that one moment, everything is united and shared. It's not that we're imagining a situation where we're not here in North Lock. It's that our experience of being here in North Lockham is in the presence of God. And that's why I find today so exciting, because it's about more than us. It's about more than our struggles. But it's about the God who is with each of us, who loves us and knows us by name, just as he loves and knows everyone in every other church across this nation and across this land and throughout all of history. They are as immediately present to him as the bread is to us on our tongue. And that brings us to our gospel reading. With this vision of God surrounding us by his love in the Eucharist, those words, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, blessed are you who mourn, blessed are you who are merciful, who are peacemakers, blessed are you, takes on a whole new layer of meaning. So I encourage you as you come and receive the bread when I come around, to hear God saying to you, blessed are you. 
So let us remember all of those who have gone before us, both those who have died recently and whom we miss very much, and those who have died in the centuries before us. And let us come into the presence of God, not with a spirit of fear, like the world tries to drown us in, but with the spirit of love, which touches us, encounters us, and gives us hope through all that we know we're about to encounter and experience in the month ahead. To the glory of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.